question to anyone who is the top manager of the year so far is it Postacoglu or is it actually Sean Dyche because <laughs> there's a brilliant argument for Sean Dyche join in the obsession subscribe now at offtheball.com forward slash join Zebo going on his own he gets the try the Red 78 we're both monster people Nobody knows Monster Rugby better. Hello and welcome to the Red 78, a Monster podcast for Monster fans. My name is Rory Hagan. We have a lot to discuss on today's show as Monster lose to the Exeter Chiefs in the Champions Cup. A huge clash with Leinster on the horizon and a couple of Monster players possibly leaving the province as well. All that to discuss and more on this episode of the Red 78. Delighted to be joined by Monster legends Alan Quinlan and Fiona Hayes to discuss it. First off, lads, I am absolutely disgusted with the lack of Christmas attire. Explain yourselves, please. <laughs> We're, you're just uh, putting it out of the ballpark, so Rory, we're leaving you at it. You know, you look spectacular. I wouldn't want to take the shine off you. We're, we're two Grinches, I would say. Um, <laughs> I was going to suggest that. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I know you were. But uh, anyway. Fiona's particularly Grinchy after watching that uh, Liverpool and Manchester United farce over the weekend. Yeah, barred from ever going to Anfield again, I think uh, they haven't not scored in a. Uh, in a game since April, I arrive over after the Munster loss. It's not feeling great, but expecting all things to go well in Anfield and not a goal to be seen, unfortunately. So it's your fault, basically. Yeah, I watched the worst game of football I've ever seen. Basically. Yeah. Wasn't great at all. Um, we're going to talk about this Munster performance in depth in just a, a little bit. Fiona, plenty of comments coming in. And look, there were positives from Munster and I suppose the comments reflecting that as well. Yeah, look, it's great. Keep the comments coming in. It's great to hear what the fans are saying. Um, obviously, I won't be able to read out of them, but we're uh, all of them. Sorry, but we are looking at them and we're trying to, you know, talk about get the general consensus in the ones we um, chat about. So I, I'll fly through a few and we might go back in a few points then after. Quinny. So, um, Ailvas said Munster struggled when momentum shifts against them to reclaim that momentum. Um, it's one of the hardest things to do as a collective to regain the control, reset the tempo, and not get sucked into the opponent's style of play. We needed a really vocal and calming player at the helm. Um, Connor Coonan said we're getting an awful lot right, which is correct. Playing beautiful, intelligent rugby, and we have. Um, a very a very talented squad. I just think our depth pool is shallow right now with injuries, retirements. We're going in the right direction. They'll be so dangerous when they get it all together. Um, Paula Carter has. You have to wonder was the loosening of, uh, was the losing of the Ulster, Bayon, and Exeter games down to lack of leadership or team cohesion due to injuries? Question mark. Some brilliant individual performances from Crowley, Frisch, and Ahern. Poor handling errors cost us too. Um, George Cunningham has negative second half performances this season. Positives. Tom O'Hearn being outstanding this season on the wing. Um, George Dundon, the substitution started the unravelling of the game. The tempo fell off, allowing Exeter to pull on more effective pressure and individual errors racked up. It's a squad game now. The bench has to be at least as strong as the starters. The psychological damage of that loss is bad. Um, at Munster Boys, he's no Klein, no Snyman, and no Dogbo killed us in the last 20, although I thought Coombs was very good. Ahern is great at six for attack, but maybe a little naive um, given the players available. Stevens Day will be some game. If Casey and Crowley turn up, we'll get the win. And we'll go to the last by Hill Toner 21. It's time for an honest conversation about Murray's current skill set. 
not saying it's all his fault, but momentum shifted more or less when Casey went off. Murray never really suited the high tempo attack and he certainly doesn't now. So we'll, uh, you can start the lead on that one. Quinny, what do you think about that uh, substitution and Murray coming on? Um, didn't have his best day at the office. I think he'll know that himself. Um, I think it's difficult. I think Munster, maybe their mentality changed a little bit and they're they're protecting a lead, I think, a little bit and they sit back. Um, I would have loved to have seen him keep playing again. It's difficult because um, they're against a strong wind and, you know, the Chiefs, uh, that's their 22nd win at home on, on the trot, I think. So they haven't been beaten there in a long time. They were always going to respond. Um, but, yeah, I think by his own standards... Um, he made some errors, was a little bit slow. Um, the first box kick was uh, too far. The second one was out in the full. Um, so, yeah, by his own standards, I think he he was, um, he was wasn't at his best. And Craig Casey going off, he got a bang before halftime yeah. in his arm. And I think that he was struggling a little bit with that. Um, but certainly his speed of delivery suited the attack in the first half. And, and look... The, the tries monster scored were, were outstanding tries. Um, they exposed that kind of narrow dog leg defence at times from um, brilliantly at times. So, um, yeah, I don't want to end up, it's not fair to end up blaming Conor Murray. There was a number of things here that I'll go through in a few minutes that as a team, monster just as a collective should have been better, but certainly not his best day um, coming off the bench. And, Sometimes that can happen, you know, um, when, when, when you have the opposition are chasing back into a game, it can be difficult. But there was plenty of moments there that didn't help the team and it wasn't just down to Conor Murray. Finn, what was your thoughts on performance and was it a case of Exeter stepping up in the second half or was it more a case that Munster left us behind them? Yeah, look, I just, I, I felt like definitely Exeter came out in the second half. Well, I will say Munster did come out hard in the first 10 minutes. I think it was around the 56, 57 minute mark. I, I could feel a little momentum shift. And when you're away from home and the crowd gets behind the, the home team, mm. if they get a couple of quick success in, in scores or get penalties, it really lifts the crowd. And you could see that swinging a little bit. Um, I have to agree um, with some of the tweeters I thought the bench coming on, just they didn't add that spark. When you look at what Jack Dunn done for Exeter, obviously a beautifully scored try, luck of a bounce, but he did a really good turnover as well in there. And he just came off the bench and made a huge impact. Unfortunately, our bench didn't do that. We tried to manage the game. And as Quinny said, the rush defence, you know, that Exeter bring, um, it's it's very hard to attack sometimes when, when, when you don't know where they're coming from, what angles. And Exeter were brilliant at doing that. But I think we didn't change up. We went to defending. Um, we did. We stopped attacking. Um, so you, you talk about the two beautiful tries. Frisch breaking that mm. line. That rush defence came up. He got his hands free. Lovely offload. Baron eventually goes through. And we score in the next couple of phases. The little chip over to Thomas Hearn. They hold defensive honest. I felt like... In the second half, we were just managing the game, trying to long box kicks, giving it back to them. And that didn't really suit what the, the game was about. I would have liked to see a little bit more attack, but I will say for the first fight, 55, 56 minutes, even defensively, just before half time, I thought Munster were outstanding and you could see the character, the fight of the players. And unfortunately, that momentum, they just didn't stand up and no leaders kind of put their hand up and knew what to do. 
Connie, what went wrong I for you? Paul, just just on that, um, one of the tweeters, Paula Carter, said you have to wonder about losing to Ulster Bay on Exeter games. The lack of leadership. I think it's 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 not just a lack of leadership. I think it's a lack of nous from the players, knowing in those pressure moments that they've got to simplify things and be really efficient with their clean outs, with their carries, with their ball presentation, with their discipline. Um, just a number of things. And, you know, Tyburn was, was, um, was seemed to be the kind of one that, that, that was coming up with big plays, big turnovers. Gavin Coombs had a couple as well. Jeremy Lockman had a big turnover. Um, no lack of effort from the team, but I think leadership a little bit is, is, is a problem. And and that comes with experience, obviously. But just body language and leadership, I think, um, and small decisions. I, I thought the players put in a, a brilliant effort. You know, after Shane Daly scores that try, you think, "Whoa, this is a this is a brilliant response from from what happened the week before." And they put themselves in a position here to win, win a brilliant brilliant away game. But um, yeah, it was frustrating. Uh, credit to Exeter. You can't kind of, you know, obviously this is a Munster podcast, but Exeter were, 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 they're a really gritty team. They've had a lot of changes in the last number of years. They won this competition three years ago. Um, they were only three players in their squad, amazingly, from that Champions Cup win that they won during COVID. Um, so they've had a lot of change. And Rob Baxter had to rebuild the team, if you like. Um so I think it was hard to shake them off and they responded brilliantly. But if you go through that crucial period there, and I think there was um, uh, a friend of mine actually in the States, John Hartness, sent a tweet there. Quinny, a massive momentum shift on the 64th minute after doing all the hard work. Murray made a few basic errors along with bad bounce. My question is, how was the offside officiated with this blitz defence? Plus, were the two trailing defenders not offside blocking blocking the intercept at the end? Well, Munster managed that blitz defence pretty well, as as Fiona was saying. Um, I think if you were kind of reviewing the match and when they look back at what where they planned going into it to deal with that blitz defence, um, I think they managed it really well as regards finding those edges. Um, the kick for Thomas Ahern. Shane Daly's try, the hands that they they got got they able to put the ball through the hands there and get Frisch and Sean O'Brien up the wing. Anton Frisch passes the ball way too early because um, mm. I think he, need, he should back himself, keep going, and Sean O'Brien gets into more space. But they managed it pretty well. Now I think they were definitely pushing the offside line. There was a few times there that I thought they were very very close to being, if not over that kind of hindmost foot. Uh, but that's that's the risk you take, and it's it's that's the way to defend, and that's their policy. So Munster managed it well. All was good up to that that Shane Daly try. I think no, not all good. I think Munster lost. I made some notes on the game, and and you know, Munster lost the lineout after 19 minutes, 12, 12 yards out. That stuff infuriates me. It's an overthrow. It's a bad lift. It's, it's lack of timing. And if this team want to try and get to that next level and be really consistent, you've got to nail those situations. Um, defensively, it was it was no one up with the, the monster um, receiver there in that line. It was an overthrow and a poor lift as well. But there's just we're seeing too many of those. There's three or four lineouts in the game again, 
Um, and even some of the ones that Munster win, they're sloppy. You know, they're sloppy in their delivery and it's just putting a lot of pressure on the team. Um, so, yeah, it was frustrating. I think um, I, 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 I just some people are saying that, you know, that period of time, that crazy four, three or four minutes that they call it. But I call it a crazy 10 minutes because <clears throat> this is where Munster lost the game. You know, Jack O'Donnell gives away a penalty in midfield. His hands are on the ground. I think it's a harsh penalty. It's a yeah. midfield right on the halfway line. I think it's a harsh penalty. But his hands are planted on the ground and he's kind of keeping his body weight up with the, with his hands. He doesn't play the scrum half or doesn't play the ball. Initially, he's trying to go in for, for that counter up. He gets penalised. He just gives them a chance to put it down into Monsters 22 and start that period, as I said. Um Gavin Can I just jump in for one second yeah. on that, Kenny, just on that? I noticed a, a slight shift. You, you could see Exeter at half time going over to Reynal uh, questioning that tight burn penalty at the end and they were really in his ear. And I just thought as the second half wore on around that breakdown area, he was definitely looking at things a, a lot harder on Munster because obviously they questioned that and maybe he had a look at it and saw there might have been something there. Well, he gave a penalty against John Hodnett in the first half that they kicked and I thought it was a... It was a brilliant steal from John Hodnett. So um, I, I think he he was, um, you weren't really sure what, what he was going to do. Yeah. Um, but I think that one, if the game is closer, is he given that penalty? I think he swayed a little bit towards Exeter with some of those decisions. Jack O'Donnell does not play the scrum half or the ball. The scrum half is still able to get the ball away. He tries to counter up. But look, maybe he just needs to be wiser there in that situation. Um I've always played in teams that go, they're going to have a 10-minute period here when they're chasing back into the game. Just be really sharp. Do the simple things well. Be more accurate with your clean-outs. Don't flop off your feet. Don't give the referee any picture that gives him, puts something in his head that he can penalise. It's easier said than done, and it's easy watching it. But look, that's what good teams consistently do, and I think Munster just need to get a bit better. 55 minutes, 49, Gavin Plumes, another penalty. So... Just over a minute and a half, we're giving away another penalty, not rolling away. Um, then we get into the corner. Uh, they go to the corner with that. Hunter Murray is on. Uh, Munster defended brilliantly. And they win, They hold him up over the line. They get a five-meter scrum. They bang Nankivel up off the side of the scrum, play another phase for a box kick. It's too long then. It's way too deep. The fullback has it nearly running onto the ball. So then you're defending again. But unbelievably, and this is we talk about the work rate, the honesty, um, Jeremy Lockman gets a brilliant turnover. An exposed rock in midfield over on the far side of the field from the camera side on the 22. Great turnover. Munster get that. Um, Ollie Yeager carries it on a little bit. There's a clash of heads when he's carrying. One of their players are down. Munster have a scrum. The box kick off that then goes straight out. So then we're back onto the 22-yard line and Exeter's line-out. Um, Thomas Ahern gives away a penalty, jumping across the line-out. And straight off that penalty, they go to the corner again. And then they start rumbling in field with a couple of carries and Vincent scores under the post. That, to me, was, it was a lot of sloppy stuff there for Munster. Backing up mistakes with more mistakes, with this lack of discipline there. Um, you could argue that the three penalties are hard. You know, Gavin Coombe's not rolling away. It's difficult for him to get out really quickly, but they're just soft penalties. Maybe we're sitting back a little bit and our heels not winning those impacts. 
straight from the kickoff. So Exeter are back 24-20, straight from the kickoff. I think the kickoff is way too long. They're way, they're really deep. You know, I think you've got to just, you can play that one a little bit shorter with a bit more hang time from Jack Crowley. Um, they box kick out after winning that kickoff with plenty of time. And that, that box kick them is knocked on. It's dislodged out of Conor Murray's hands. He doesn't catch it. They gather the ball and that's when they, when they go for the long kick. And I think Calvin Nash, look, in hindsight, he would have tried, tried to dive and carry the ball and not let it bounce. Jack Dunbar's brilliantly. You get rewarded sometimes for your kick chase. Um, and then the game just turned on its head uh, from the 54th minute to the 64th minute. Munster mm. were, were, were in, in, in you know, 11 points up, uh, containing a little bit, but making some poor decisions and then they're three points down. And the whole the momentum has shifted. Their crowd are off their feet. And um, Munster gets sloppy then again. You know, they get sloppy. They get a chance near the end. Uh, they, they get a penalty. They kick down into 22. They do appeal around the back of the line out. Conor Murray ends up getting the ball because the delivery is sloppy again. And he gets the ball stripped and dislodged and scrum eggs for a chance. You know, so it was, there was a lot of that stuff going on. And we didn't really create any chances where we got back in there after that. And, um, and then you have the end situation where the pass for Conor Murray and was Henry Slade offside? Well, I think he's onside when you look at the pictures, but the two runners coming back, yeah. going back to John Hartnett Street to me there uh, from California, he's, the two runners coming back are, are a distraction. And I think that, that I think it's difficult. And David Flatman made a, a comment, a former English prop. Um, if you go back and you start checking TMOs for offsides and you'll be checking all day long. So I yeah. think he makes a relevant point there. But I think the referee there and then has to call that and say there's there's lazy runners coming back here and they're obscuring his vision and definitely catches his eye. Um, it's like an offside in soccer where someone is offside and they're kind of blocking the vision of the keeper. But look, it was a floaty pass. Would Conor Murray done it differently? Would he pulled it back a little bit? Would he have been quicker with the delivery if those runners weren't there? Possibly. So I think it did affect the outcome. But Probably uh, in the end, you think it's harsh that they they've now got they yeah. suddenly they had two point, points at that stage, a chance maybe to get up the field and and either go for a penalty drop goal or else try and win it. But then it's taken away from them and Exeter get a bonus point win. So in the end, you know I think really frustrating when you're 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 in a situation where sixty two minutes gone and you're eleven points up. Now I know. I think it's some of the decisions there cost them and credit to Exeter, but Munster would be really frustrated when they look back at that period. Um, it wasn't all perfect, but I thought the Munster's attack throughout the game was just outstanding. And um, that's the harsh part for them when they look back, they look at some of those moments in the game that will be really, really cost them. Yeah, frustrating. And with that as well, sorry, just with that Murray thing as well, like, you know, you're looking at it and you want you want to play quick ball. You're, you're urging him, come on, Murray, want to play quick speed. But if he catches that and hits one of them, it's, it's a penalty to us as well, you know. So the referee, like the referee, the team always isn't going to come in on that. But there's there's two runners late coming in his view line and another player would have hit the ball and, off and, them. And but, those players actually when he kind of looks up he, he just hesitates a bit they cause him yeah. to hesitate and I think you know in normal 
an, an enormous situation if Henry Slade doesn't intercept him and goes to a monster player and yeah. it's play on there. But when it leads to an intercept try, I think it should have been chalked off and those players. But Maturinal needed to to look at that quickly. And going back to David Flatman's point, this is in the build-up to a try. So it's not as if it's we're checking off sides out the yeah. field. It's a build-up to a try, a very crucial try that Munster could, um, could... That point could be really costly in the end for them when they come to get trying to get into round 16. So, you know, it should have been checked. Well, that is it for part one of the Red 78. To listen to the full episode where we talk about our star of the week, we build up to this week's clash with Leinster and talk about Archie Snyman's possible departure to Leinster. The coming off the ball member. Check out offtheball.com forward slash join for all the details. You can become a member on the Off the Ball app, Apple, Spotify, or YouTube for nine ninety nine a month. The Red 78. Nobody knows Monster Rugby better. I'd like to think I know a lot. <laughs>